on this episode of AV Week, Avixa releases the winners of their experience awards, the state of interactive displays, and how AV can help customers stay safe post-COVID-19. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 460, recorded Friday, June 12th, 2020. Layers. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by FSR and by Bayan. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us. Discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, White T. Lang from A10. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, Tim. It's nice to come back. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we were recording this on Friday. Uh, if this was a normal year, uh, my happy butt would be on a plane sometime in about 12 hours from now but it, to get to Infocom, but it's not. We will have a conversation about Infocom Connected and Infocom 2020 in a few minutes. But uh, also, who would be hanging out with me next week is my buddy, Mr. Luke Jordan from Electroacoustics. Welcome, sir. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. We would be enjoying an AV Roki on this next Tuesday. But again, alas, that is not today. I, actually, next Tuesday, uh, they're doing uh, Info, or uh, Avixa is doing a, 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 a um, uh, trivia contest. Uh, so instead of AV Roki, you can join in and, and show everybody how smart you are, or in my case, how not smart you are. Uh, so you can sign up for that uh, at the uh, Infocom Connected uh, website. Also with us, uh, a young man who hasn't been on this program in quite a while, Mr. Frank West from QSC. Welcome, sir. Great to be back. Good to see everybody. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. And last but not least, uh, Mr. Michael Bredwell from Sonance. Welcome, sir. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, a couple things. Uh, we've, this, this, our first story that we're we're tackling here is is two different stories. Uh, I, I read these this week, and it was like dueling banjos going off in my head. Um, first and foremost, AV Magazine wrote a piece uh, talking about a survey that was conducted by Ultraleap uh, in the EU, in the EU, highlighting a loss of confidence in touchscreens due to COVID nineteen. Then you flip over to Sound and Communications and an article from our buddy Manilo uh, Almagro looking uh, at the increase of technology and adoption of immersive display technologies with digital signage, wayfinding, point-of-sale systems, all of that. So this leads to two different looks at the the touchscreen market. Um, I'm going to start with with you, uh, Luke, when it comes to this. Where do we see touchscreens landing? in the next six to nine months with COVID-19 as we come out of it, as, uh, as, as retail um, folks are, are, are coming back and looking at what COVID-19 and what their systems look like post-COVID-19, but also uh, p- places like you know, hospitals as well as um, schools and um, uh, offices where a touchscreen was almost the pinnacle of control system. I think it's going to differ by the needs of each of those markets. I think healthcare, um, you know, last time I was on with you, we actually talked about sensors that um, just needed your eyes so that you could wear a mask and everything's contactless. Um, So I think healthcare is going to take this very seriously because it has uh, 
different consequences. Uh, at the same time, I think that a lot of offices that have standardized on certain solutions, they're going to either change everything, which is extremely expensive, um, or they're going to just stick with what they've got and maybe change their protocols for how you interact with the office space. It might be that you need to wear gloves, but that'll still work. Uh, you know, nitrile gloves will still work with a touch screen. It might be that uh, everything gets wiped down at the end of the day. Uh, our office policy at 445 every day, everyone grabs a rag and we disinfect keyboards, uh, doorknobs, anything like that, so that every day we're walking into a, a sanitized environment. So I think that the markets are going to each respond differently according to their needs. That's actually not a bad idea. It's something that, that we've talked about here. Uh, we haven't put it in place yet because right now it's, it's still just Mitchell and me. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't mean that we shouldn't. I'm just, it's one of those things that we're, we're considering. Um, Mr. Bridwell, we'll start with you on this next question, though. How do you educate dealers uh, to overcome health and medical concerns about specific um, devices without being dismissive of the concerns of those, of those clients? Yeah, it's a good question, right? Because, you know, you have to take your manufacturing hat off a little bit and just be a human being. Um, my wife is a cardiothoracic nurse at Emory Hospital here in Atlanta. And they all share, you know, on 4B, when you're, you really don't ever want to end up on her floor, by the way. You never want to see my wife at work. Um, you're having a significant thing occur with you. But they share, between four nurses, they typically share one computer where they have to chart everything. And that is, they have to have that thing ripped out and completely reconfigured and recreated. And that is a perfect example of where an integrator, um, you know, working with a manufacturer with a solution that say rejects, rejects germs, but is also a handheld in some way, because there's not going to be like a, an AR, BR solution for that, right? There's still a nurse walking into a patient's room. There's going to be direct exposure and direct interaction and then an action that follows from that. So I think, it's, I think it's learning the actual steps of somebody's actual job and then working backwards from that to try to say, okay, if there's eight touches for a nurse to do her job with a patient in their room when they go in there for 10 minutes, how can we get rid of three of those? Okay, how can we get rid of the next two? You're not going to be able to solve all the interaction issues in a typical person's job work environment like that. So, yeah, it's... I think unwinding it um, as an onion, um, layer by layer, Layers. That's how you attack it, and try to negate one or two first and foremost. All right. YT, same kind of question, though, and although Mike, uh, Mike brings up a, actually a really good point about, you know, seeing what sorts of technology we can leverage and, and seeing how many of those, those touches we can eliminate while at the same time evolving this technology that has become almost like second nature to us. Right. Um, and I, by the way, I think these two articles are like great articles. And it actually remind me of a movie, um, Tom Cruise, Minority Report. Yep. I don't know if you're right. I mean, um, I was so excited when I saw the, saw the movie, you know, Tom Cruise was doing all the gesture control. But then if we comes back to the, to, to the gas control, actually one thing that, you know, I've been thinking is the ecosystem. And actually, Tim, you brought up earlier about control system. You know, like nowadays, if um, a manufacturer's app talks to 
their own control box. And the control box will talk to other devices through like IR, Super G, Relay, IO. But when it comes to guest gesture control, I'm thinking about is actually the API integration. Like, you know, like one manufacturer won't be able to do all this, but what's most important is how we can put our solution together in one ecosystem. So for example, like I believe the gesture control a solution provider will have some kind of AP, open APIs. And for vendors like us, we have control box, and then that's how we integrate with their, um, with their functions in order to bring a more complete solution to the, not only to the end user, but also to the system integrator, because the system integrators are the one need to figure out also, how do I put all these things together? Um, so um, I want to say, um, I mean, it, I, I like how, how technologies are evolving. And I think that's a really exciting part. And I'm seeing in, in a good way where, you know, kind of because what's happening nowadays pushes to move forward a little bit faster um, than we were planning, um, but that's a good thing. So I'm looking at um, a good opportunity for um, all the solution providers to work together in this ecosystem. Frank, uh, YT brings up a really good point, and, and QSC does have a control system that does kind of integrate with, with, with other manufacturers. So how do you work with those manufacturers and, and then take that to the, 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 your dealers and then their clients yeah. and say, look, here's an entire system that, that we can start leveraging to make you safer? We, we heard this concern, you know, a month ago, six weeks ago, you know, sitting on different consultant webinars and talking to, um, you know, corporate real estate people and even uh, AV integrators and, and end users. And we, we actually just developed a, a, a work, a solution for this today, which is kind of what we're, we're marketing what here and there. Um, but uh, we're calling it bring your own control. So basically the ability to uh, either have just a QR code in a room that somebody could scan with their phone or even display the QR code on the room display or, or the touch panel. And then that gives you the ability to just use this device that everybody else has in their pocket and either open up uh, our app, which is an iOS device, which would be an exact replica of the touch panel, uh, or even just tag a, a web page. So that way it's device agnostic, basically. And um, give the, you know, the, the, how long this trend of like, I don't want to touch that continues is anybody's best guess, but it's an immediate reaction to the people that are using QSIS control today, that they can have a touchless environment or at least a bring your own control environment. Yeah. Real quickly about the, the uh, exact replica of the touch panel there. Uh, is that, I guess the best way to ask this is how much more work is that from the integrator standpoint? Are they creating a brand new, uh, graphical, a brand new GUI, or is it something that you guys just no, kind of take their in, existing in the, in the settings of QSIS, you can choose what device you want to map your UCI to. So there might be some slight editing. I think Luke's giving me a plug here. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I am actually, because I love you, Frank. I've, I've got uh, QSIS control in my conference room, and uh, I can literally just select the conference room control page from my phone, and what's on my touchscreen immediately pulls up on my phone it's a free app and i don't have to make an ipad version an iphone version um a qsc wired touch panel version uh it is pretty fantastic so free plug for prank <laughs> 
for Frank. <laughs> Thanks so much. It really, for us, by doing it with QR codes is that we make it so that the end user doesn't have to be uh, an AV genius. All they have to do is scan a QR code and they magically have it to control surface. And the, the tie-in to COVID and how this is actually becoming more popular outside of even just control systems. I went to a, a, a bar restaurant a couple weeks ago and instead of handing out menus, you scanned a QR code on your way in and it pulled up the menu on your phone and then you could just tell the, the waiter what you wanted to order, but there is no exchange. Instead of having to wipe down menus every night or you yep. throw the menu away, it's just a QR code done. Uh, in a lot of ways, I see that it's almost better for me instead of having this big menu that I'm trying to make room for on the table. So I think there's a lot of different uses for everyone has a device like this and can I pull up information, menus, control systems, whatever. I think there's a lot of room for that. Absolutely. All right. Our next uh, story actually comes to us from our website and our underwriter, uh, Atlas IED. Atlas has released a clean room speaker cover that creates a barrier between the building plenum and the room environment. This is for their SHS speaker. If you've never seen this, um, well, it's it's about the size of a, a, well, I don't know, a little bit bigger than a half dollar is the is the size of the hole uh, that comes through the, the drop ceiling when you when you mount this thing. Um, what it's bit made for though is made for clean rooms. And uh, um, I'll start with with uh, with YT on this. How is it? How important is it for for AV um, develop to develop products that can live in sanitized room? We we already talked about the, the hospitals here, but living clean and sanitized environments. Uh, good point. Um... Yeah, when I saw this article, I, I really think small accessories can make big difference, right? So, and because of different times. So for us, um, because, you know, we are more, we, we have solutions more on the, toward the video side. So actually, one thing that I would like to bring up um, may, might not be that um, related to like healthcare, but the thing is actually it's about the HDMI cables, HDMI, HDMI connectors. Because um, we all know like HDMI connectors don't like VGA or DVI or display port that have the locking mechanism. So Amen, one sister. small <laughs> I know, like imagine how many times we or our customer system integrators would receive a call from the customer saying, hey, I don't have a video. And then they went on site and realized, oh, you just lose an HDMI cable. Um, so that's why we come up with this little yellow tie, which you can... Um, lock the HDMI cable firmly on on the product itself, just through a little screw. Um, and then, you know, like from time to time when I'm talking to different people, I say, oh yeah, you know, it's a small thing. But most most of the time, what the system integrators would feedback, give feedback to us is, you know, it's small, it, but it's actually not because it will save them re- a lot of time doing troubleshooting and stuff. So I think it applies to the same thing <clears throat> Uh, for this rubber cover. Um, so um, as a solution pro- provider or manufacturer, um, one of the things that we've been doing is besides the main product, the box or the software itself, we're thinking about the accessories that can really help the system integrators to you know, either finish the installation in, um, more quickly or avoid the need for troubleshooting. Mr. Bridwell, yeah. is this the same kind of question here? Is, is this something where 
if the if the product is coming in contact, right, or or you're living in the same room as as the AV device, then we maybe we we need to start looking at you know ways to sanitize it, ways to make it make it antibacterial. But if it's in a rack, right, if it's it's if it's in the back forty somewhere, and it, it's in a rack room somewhere where, where nobody's ever going to touch it, is it something where maybe that doesn't have to be uh, so so concerned with, with sanitation, or is it everything uh, in in the system from soup to nuts? That should be. It's a yeah, another good question, right? I, I you've you've trapped me in the conundrum of giving me a speaker question here earlier because I'm a I'm, I have so many questions about this product, and the first one is, do you know if this speaker is an open backhand? Like, it is, is not there a backhand on this. No. There's a backhand. It's a backhand. Oh, it's 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 not a can. It's it's a it's a square, but it has a it has a back to it. Yes. There's a sealed enclosure. Yes, sir. So if there's a sealed enclosure and a speaker cone, I don't understand why where dust would get through in general. And I, I also don't know why you would put a rubber cover over a speaker when you're needing vocal clarity. But I have lots of questions, so I'll dig into those after this. Um, you know, in that regard, uh, I, I don't know that dust is the predominant thing that something like a hospital is trying to is, is overly concerned about in this case. It's more about uh, multiple exposure and those exposure points typically being human because hospitals typically have ventilation systems that are far, what is it, eight times cleaner than your cleanest uh, airplane with the HEPA filters they use and such. So I don't know that something that's in a back rack that's far, far away from any patient treatment ever becomes even a, a, a potential point of contact of influence over the rest of the space. Very good points, uh, Frank. When it comes to whether it's it's these products or it's, it's other areas, uh, what other verticals do we see the AV industry innovating when it comes to protecting folks, whether it's COVID nineteen or the next uh, the next pandemic or the next uh, virus outbreak? I mean, I think I think the biggest opportunity right now is the re the reality is is that it's it comes down to herd management and 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 that's going to play really strong when it comes to room scheduling and control and monitoring. But uh, you know, I, I keep hearing about trends where they want you know less people in spaces, larger spaces to encourage social distancing. I think understanding the needs of what the meeting or the event is so that we have the proper space with the proper technologies and um, and then obviously making them you know we talked about touch less or less touch more gesture control but um, you know but more automation I guess behind the scenes in terms of determining you know who's in the meeting and you know that the technologies support what the meeting needs to do all right Luke you're the one you know, talking with clients uh, predominantly straight up you know face-to-face uh, -face or, you know, virtual to virtual. Uh, what are you hearing back from folks when, when it's, whether it's a hospital or it's an education folks, what is it that they're, that they're concerned about? They're concerned with just existing right now. I think that the majority of the people are not really looking at how do I change my facility um, at, at every interface point. Uh, I think everyone is just trying to calculate how many people am I allowed to put in this room at six feet of distance and what do they need to wear or how often do they have to wash or do they need gloves? That's the majority of what I've seen. Every church 
has about 20 gallons of sanitizer uh, for the ones that have opened. Uh, church is doing mass. They're, <laughs> sorry. They're, um, they're, they're doing it that way. They're, they're taping off pews. Uh, people are still working from home and they're taking people that really are more effective in the office and allowing them to be part of that 25 or 50% that are coming back. Uh, but I'm really not seeing the overall shape of the room or, or what's in the room changing right now. People are still just trying to figure out which way is up, how long are we going to be allowed to stay open before things close again, or will it continue to continue opening back up? And then I think after we have gotten past, uh, I hope we get past this uh, pandemic shutdown. Once we get past that, I think that's when people are going to say, now that that's done, what needs to change to prevent this in the future or be better prepared for when it occurs. But I don't see a lot of tweaks like this being effective in getting us out of the pandemic. Um, so I think that we're just still one foot in panic mode and really haven't had a good shift towards what do we need to be doing? No. I, go ahead, Frank. Well, the other thing is, I, I mean, I think the, around the topic of room scheduling, I mean, I'm sure you've all been in this situation before when you're waiting in the hallway to jump into the conference room once the previous meeting ends. I think that it, a best practice is to try to schedule some downtime so that the room can be cleaned before the next people use it. So I'm hearing that becoming more the standard of, you know, when a meeting ends, housekeeping is in the hallway waiting to disinfect the room so that it's prepared for the next meeting. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of those commonplace things where regardless of what scheduling software you use and what what uh, what panels you use, there will be that buffer already built in, right? Um, so the, the only thing beyond that is, is you know, one, uh, managing those folks that habitually go long in meetings and that's a whole nother it, it, it's it's harmony between uh human resources av and uh services you know building yeah. services yeah, absolutely all right uh last story here comes to us uh from our friends over at commercial integrator avixa has announced the winners of the 2020 av experience award these are brand new program that uh, record quote unquote recognizes the innovative integration of content space and uh, AV to enrich experiences. The winners include Harvard Business School, uh, Bart Cresca, uh, Cresca Studio, which if you were at um, either Infocom last year or ISE in, t in 2019, you saw their, uh, their, their sculpture that had projection ma mapping, as well as the Yogi Berra Museum. Mr. Bridwell, we'll start with you on this. Very simple question. Why are uh, awards that highlight the experience of AV important? Wow. First and foremost, I want to eat at that restaurant in Denmark more than any <laughs> place I've wanted to eat in the last year that I've seen. That thing is gorgeous. And so yeah, the, one, of the other, uh, one of the other winners was a, a restaurant in Denmark, so yeah. Um, you know, this is, that, this, is, this is the synthesis of Avixa being an experiential organization and less of a hardware organization, so this just just makes perfect sense, right? Brad Grimes has been talking about this for years and years and years and trying to write great content around it to illustrate it and to stop, help people stop thinking about our industry from a box-to-box -box standpoint and more about, hey, if your neighbor in, interacted with AV, either at a retail environment or a restaurant or something of that nature, what was their experience like? Did they enjoy it? Was there something there that enhanced it? Um, 
yeah, this just makes perfect sense. All right, Frank, uh, Avixa has been uh, talking about it, and, and our buddy Brad Grimes, who, uh, who used to work for Avixa, was one of the first fo- folks to write about that. Uh, they've been talking about the experience for the last five or six years. How has the experience in the experience design evolved over the last five or 10 years, Frank? Well, I mean, I think it is the great differentiator of the professional AV industry. And I think it's whether you're a manufacturer, a consultant, or an integrator, it, it should be what you strive to every day is to, to hold to a higher standard. And, and I, so I do think that um, in, in this, you know, today more so than ever is creating that experience that the people that are in the space can really get something unique out of it but also paying attention to the people on the far end so that they're able to share in that experience. So I think it's the, I guess it's what I'm talking about is creating a real hybrid uh, environment where it can be unique and special to the people that are there in person, but also, you know, embracing that, you know, not everybody can be in places. Yeah, absolutely. Luke, when you're designing systems and you're, you're pitching uh, deals, how do you, how do you convey the experience, right? Whether that's uh, to a, a house of worship or to a school. Um, I don't know if this is an interesting take on on the experience awards. It's from you. I'm certain it will be interesting. We <laughs> um, we were joking before before we uh, we got rolling here uh, this afternoon about how um, kids coming into the industry probably aren't going to be wowed by a, a really nice courtroom uh, AV system and that stuff like, like this is really what attracts people. This is why people want to get into AV. Um, but at the same time, the experience that sometimes gets overlooked is a church system where no one is running sound. It's just an automatic mixer system and some priests wearing microphones. You turn it on, you talk, it's intelligible and everyone can hear and you turn it off and you go home and it doesn't fail. It doesn't have interference. Everyone has, has good hearing or can, can understand every seat's covered. That's an amazing experience. Yeah. It's, it's not, nothing about it is out of the ordinary or exceptional other than the fact that it was the right design for that room and it was designed with the people using it in mind and there's a lot that has to go right for that to happen. Standards are an important part of making that happen. Uh, David Danto, bless his heart, he harps on this nonstop that experience is, a wrong, is the wrong word to be using. We should not be focusing on experiences. We should be focusing on standards. I don't think that either side of that extreme is right or wrong. Good standards create great experiences. So part of what I do in my sales role is I help people understand what is my budget, what is my need, and what am I trying to do with this system. When the three of those align well, we have a great experience. Some of these mega churches down here in Texas, it is just amazing. I mean, it, it's like this stuff all day, every day at these churches. Other churches who have a shoestring budget but still have an important message to give to people that are entrusting that church with their spiritual care and relationship they just want to be able to communicate well and it doesn't have to be fancy it might just be great acoustics to the point where you don't need a microphone jesus used amphitheaters so it it's just a different experience for the different needs and standards good design 
and taking care of the client's needs above what you think you might be able to do for them is very important. I'm just going to listen to this segment of loot talking for like, like the next week because there's all kinds of good stuff in here. And, and for those of you outside of the U.S. Uh, and you've never heard the term bless your heart or bless his heart, just look it up on the internet and, and you'll, you'll get a, a kick out of that. Y- YT. It's a, uh, it's a Southern thing. It's a Southern thing. And I'm not going to go comment about what it means. Uh, YT, last, last question here before we let everybody go. What other areas sure. uh, can, can a VIXA highlight? I mean, they've, 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 they've gone down this, this, this experience road. What, what other areas should we, should we be highlighting? Well, um, well, before answering that, I kind of want to echo back about, about this article on the experience. Yeah, and, totally. um, yeah, and I mean, all three gentlemen, I mean, the points are really, really good because I think for Luke, you know, it's more like down to earth. That's the kind of experience as well to make sure everything works. But at the same time, I also like how Frank brought it up because, um, by the way, Tim, when you uh, sent me the article, I afford to our internal teams and everyone was like, oh, I want to go to this, I want to go there. Um, and, but so I also think, um, the technology that's kind of maybe pushing us forward is important as well, because it will echo back to, um, to, to the environment that we're using. Um, and then Frank kind of touched it a little bit. Um, and nothing is because myself, I couldn't go there either. So I was actually thinking about really, how can we bring this kind of experience to more people? Um, cause right now it's just the people who are there will have that kind of experience, but, um, but those are like good stuff. So that really brought, like, you know, makes me thinking about, um, either do like, like a virtual event, for example, like we're going to have an Infocom connected, uh, virtual event, um, next week. Um, so then echo back to Tim, your question. I think nothing is really, um, how because of this COVID-19, um, how we can bring more um, information experience through these virtual events to make more people aware of this and think about this. Um, and of course, come up with even better technologies and um, even better solutions. All right. Thank you all so much uh, uh, for uh, joining us. Uh, YT Lang from ATEM. Thank you. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or ATEM or... Um, how do they find you next week at, uh, or this week at Infocom Connected? Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, so, um, our website, www.aten.com and we are pretty active on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and for Infocom Connected next week, um, just go ahead and search for us, A-T-E-N-A-10, and, uh, we will actually have two webinars. Uh, one of the webinar, uh, we will talk about House of Worship applications. Um, and another webinar, which is actually our own 20 minute on demand presentation. So in that 20 minutes, instead of talking about our products or solution, we are actually going to talk about streaming technology because we are seeing streaming is getting more and more popular. So we're going to talk about what's the difference between, between web RTC and RTMP and how do you choose between them along with different applications like corporate meetings, education, and house worships. So I think these two webinars will be uh, pretty helpful as well. Um, so we look forward to um, virtually seeing you next week in Infocom Connected. Thank All right, you. Very good. Thank you. Mr. Bridwell, uh, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or Sonance or connect with you uh, during Infocom Connected? 
Um, yeah, you can get me at Michael B at Sonance.com or Sonance.com for our general website. And we're a premier sponsor for Infocom Connected this week. So we will have multiple people that you can book time with through an open calendar. And uh, we'll have a portal page that has a wealth of information, including 12 brand new product videos that are deep dives, but only two and a half minutes each. So easy to watch and then move on. All right, very good. Mr. West, uh, we're, we're, we're going to end here with all the three manufacturers. Thank you, sir. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or QSC? Frank.West at QSC.com and QSC.com is our website. And uh, similar, we're going to have the ability to schedule meetings with, uh, with QSC employees. And we have some interesting topics around control, cloud, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. A software-based Dante uh, for QSIS as well. All right, very good. Mr. Jordan, thank you, sir. Uh, you don't have a booth next next week at Infocom 2020, uh, but how do people get a hold of you or Electroacoustics? Uh, well, I'll be on my back porch with my boots up drinking a margarita next week. Uh, you can find me on Going Twitter. to all of their booths virtually and, and typing in Frank West every 15 minutes for a meeting, yes. <laughs> I'm going to book 30, 30 meetings with Frank just to keep him busy. Uh, you can find me at Luke Jordan EAVI on Twitter or EAVI.com to find our company. Right, very good. Um, are you teaching anything next week? Or are you just going to hang out and go to the sessions? Uh, I don't know anything. You don't know anything. All right. Well, I, I am teaching. Well, I shouldn't take teaching something. I'm, I'm on two different sessions. One's with my buddy, uh, Megan Detta, talking about the, the it's called um, Almost Famous, the technology that's almost quite there. Uh, that's getting there. And then her and I will be taking questions after that. And then on that's on Tuesday. Then on Thursday, uh, Matt Scott, Chris Neto, and I are um, doing the hidden gems, quote unquote, of the 10 by 10 booths. Now, little backstory here. Number one, I was already scheduled to do this on the Friday of, of Infocom. Obviously, there are no 10 by 10 booths because they're virtual and they're not 10 by 10. But you get the idea here, right? We're not talking about the huge, ginormous booths. We're not talking about Frank, right? And Frank is great, and the QSD booth is wonderful, right? We're not talking about Sound Answer or A10. We're talking about the folks in the, in the back 40, right? The, the smaller booths, the folks who are the, 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 um, the up-and-coming folks, the, the entrepreneurs that are coming with a great new product or, or new idea. So we'll go through the show floor on Tuesday and Wednesday and give you 15 minutes of, of the ones you might want to go and check back, check out. So uh, you can also go by, go by our website. Don't follow me on the Twitters uh, because hockey is starting back up again and go blues. Uh, but if you want to go by our website, avnation.tv, that's avnation.tv brand spanking new website that our editor in chief Lenora Lane uh, spearheaded. So it looks really cool. Uh, while you're there, check out our underwriter section. These are folks that help us financially help us bring you AV week and Resi week and all the others and coverage of Infocom connected. And QSC is one of those that we thank them uh, for their support. Also uh, I mentioned Lenore. She is, is kind of rejiggered and, and re uh, imagined our uh, our newsletter. She's doing a really good, great job of that. So you can sign up for that also on the website. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>